are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show we provide daily episodes, Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me today, either before the game or during the game, haven't decided yet, to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. And as a lifelong fan, my goodness, yesterday was brutal. The Giants, unfortunately, have developed a little bit of a habit of having some brutal losses triggered or, you know, fueled by bullpen meltdowns. It happened last year a few times with Trevor Gott, and it happened last night on opening day. Giants had a 6-1 to one lead going into the bottom of the eighth inning against the Mariners. This is not the Dodgers. It's not the Padres. It's not the Yankees. It's the Seattle Mariners. And really, if they had just been able to throw strikes, the Mariners are going to get themselves out. I mean, big league hitters as good as they are, are going to get themselves out enough that if you just throw strikes, you're going to hold on to a five-run lead 99% of the time. And that that's what the odds were. You know, I looked it up. I wrote or said somewhere that that's a game they win 99% of the time. Got a little pushback and then looked it up on fan graphs. And in fact, 98.3% was what, the, what fan graphs pegged as the Giants' win odds in the eighth inning. So it's tough to keep perspective, I would say, when something that's supposed to be so improbable happens multiple times. It's easy to say, you know, it's it's tough to know, is it just that they're that unlucky or is there something more going on? And honestly, with Trevor Gott, the thing is that it was him multiple times. And so there's there's a strong connection between the events. But last night, these are this was not Trevor Gott, and these were not any. This wasn't anybody who was connected to those games last year. So to me, it, it is just kind of a totally fluky occurrence. It was Matt Whistler, a new reliever brought in this offseason, Harleen Garcia, who was excellent for the Giants last year, and Jose Alvarez, who's had a really good major league career and does not typically have walk issues. So anyway, I've gone on a little tangent already. In the first part of the show, we're going to just break down what went wrong, talk about the bullpen collapse, you know, try to have some perspective about it. But then I also later on want to talk about the positives, and there were quite a few. That's partially what makes it so frustrating, is that the Giants had this one. They set themselves up for a very nice opening day win, and they just couldn't seal the deal. Kevin Gosman looked like an ace, which is, you know, a huge deal and really interesting that the Giants have been able to help this guy become who he is and that he's 
looking this good. It's It bodes really well for them this year. And then the offense, as advertised, you know, they, they hit for power. They just looked dangerous, and they were dangerous. So unfortunately, that doesn't get to be the story, but we will cover those things later. So the bullpen meltdown, like I said, it, it just can't be correlated really with anything that went on last year. Apparently, there are some people who are blaming Gabe Kapler somehow for this. More than anything, I probably, I mean, first of all, you blame the pitchers because these are guys who have a track record of throwing strikes and they just could not throw strikes yesterday. But I also kind of blame the three batter minimum rule. Earlier on in the offseason, we talked about the, the new rules and which ones I liked and didn't like. I forgot to even mention the three batter rule, but I don't like it at all. And there's been some studies, somebody looked into this and found that it really doesn't save any time. In fact, games were not really shorter last year than they had been. You know, the point was to save time. And the effect that it does have is that you can have a guy who just looks like he absolutely should be taken out of a game and you can't do it. And and to me, that doesn't make any sense, really. The only reason it would make sense is if it was saving you significant time in the game and keeping the pace a certain way. But I don't think it really does that. And, you know, all of the guys the Giants were bringing in looked like they needed to come out before they even faced three batters. So Mark Sanchez of KNBR had a really good note that I saw on Twitter last night that in 2020, Matt Whistler and Harleen Garcia combined for four earned runs in 43 and two-thirds innings. Last night, Matt Whistler and Harleen Garcia combined for five earned runs in one-third of an inning. That If that doesn't really sum up baseball, I don't know what does, because that doesn't make any sense. Four earned runs in 43 and two-thirds versus five earned runs last night in a third of an inning. So, I mean, what else can you say? These are not guys you would expect to be that bad. And in fact, I wanted to pull up some numbers to to demonstrate that this is just not a sustainable thing. Like, they're not going to pitch like this all season. It's just, it's just impossible. So Giants relievers on the season after one game are allowing 27 walks per nine innings. Okay, three walks per inning is what that means. They also have a 19.29 ERA, and they're stranding only 36% of their base runners. So all of those are just going to get dramatically better. So it's easy to get like wrapped up in this and think, oh my God, the bullpen is going to be terrible. But you you just can't. One baseball game doesn't really tell us all that much. It just so happens to be a total gut pep punch. And I think I was trying to talk about Kapler and I got off topic. I want to talk about Kapler and why I don't really see any legitimate argument how what happened last night was his fault. I guess my point was about the three batter rule. He He had nothing he could do. He had to leave these guys in. Some people are saying he should have like stuck with Jake McGee for an extra inning, but they don't want to do that to his arm. It's not that easy to get up and down like that. So We'll talk more about that next, and also we'll get to the positives from this game. But first, I want to tell you about betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, and baseball has officially begun. 
BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Lots of baseball action you can get in on at BetOnline. We'll be talking about it a lot as the season goes on. I feel like there's some opportunities there, so go and check out what they've got to offer. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit with the promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, as promised, I want to talk about Gabe Kapler a little bit. Unfortunately, that seems to be something that people are going down that road and saying somehow that this was his fault. And eventually we'll talk about Gosman and we'll talk about the offense doing what we expected, doing really well. I mean, if you score seven runs, you're usually going to win that game. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So I guess some of the reaction was about Gabe Kapler and I guess that he should have like left Jake McGee in for an extra inning because he went out there in the ninth and had a solid inning, I think one, two, three inning. And, you know, the the argument is that he should have come back out for the 10th. But Kapler said they, they're not going to do that with him, especially right now to start the season. It's just not that simple to get, you know, relievers, they warm up, they come into the game, and then they sit in the dugout and they cool down. And then to have them go back out there, there's just some guys who aren't comfortable with that, and it it puts undue stress on their arm. So, and after the game, Kapoor was asked about this, and that's what he said. He said, McGee is a one-inning guy. And so, end of story. I mean, he's not going to deviate from that just because you think he should have gone back out there. And Jose Alvarez, let me just pull up his numbers. This guy is a major league veteran. He's appeared in 360 games, thrown 340 innings, and he does not have walk issues. In his career, his walk rate is 7.7%. On the 2021 season, his walk rate, 100%. He's walking every batter he faces. (laughs) I've never seen a hundred percent obviously hundred percent walk rate but he really he faced three hitters and he walked them all that's pretty pretty darn bad but yeah seven point seven percent you would think kind of on paper are the odds that he's going to walk a batter let alone three in a row and you can't take him out i mean what can you do once he's clearly not able to throw strikes you would think maybe in a in a world where you're not forced to leave guys in, you could take him out, but there was nothing that could be done. So also in his career, let me point out, this guy has a 3.59 ERA. He's never in his career since his first season in 2013, he's never had an ERA above 3.88. It was 1.42 last year, 3.36 the year before that, 2.71 the year before that. So he's a good reliever. He just didn't have it last night. And you can't you definitely can't blame the manager for that. And 
I guess at this point we can transition to some of the positives because, you know, I thought that Gabe Kapler managed the offense really well, just like he did last year. He chose the perfect time to pinch hit for Austin Slater. You know, because there was an opportunity earlier in the game when he could have taken out Austin Slater for Alex Dickerson, but he didn't because Slater had had a good game. He hit a home run. He drew a walk, let off the year with a walk, and then later homered against Marco Gonzalez. And then the Giants had this significant lead. It was like 5-1 to one at the time, and a righty was in the game, and you could justify pinch hitting for Slater with Dickerson in that spot. But I thought it was really well managed that he let he let Slater face a righty because Slater wants that opportunity to face righties, and it's the perfect time to let him do it when you have a lead. And, and I was saying at the time, you can then save that pinch hit appearance by Dickerson in case later in the game a situation comes up where Slater comes up, the game is tighter, and then you still have Dickerson on the bench to use in the right spot. And that's exactly what ended up transpiring. The Giants, after their eighth inning bullpen meltdown, the ninth inning comes around. The Giants are down by a run. The Mariners bring in their closer, and Austin Slater is set to lead off, and their closer is right-handed. So then that's the spot, and they pinch hit you know, a guy who had a good game, Austin Slater, with Alex Dickerson. That is not a bad guy to have coming off the bench, right? I mean, Dickerson, you know, by MLB Network was ranked one of the top left fielders in baseball right now. And so that just speaks to the Giants' depth. It's going to come out over the course of 162 where it's just clear that this offense and this depth is a, is a real strength and it should lead to a lot of wins. And it really should have last night. But so Dickerson gets to pinch hit for Slater there in the ninth, and he hits a freaking home run. So that's just a perfect illustration of how effective that offensive management can be. And that is not something we saw a lot of under the the last coaching staff. I mean, the game has changed, and like this is this is how you win in 2021. So instead of having a bench full of guys you wouldn't want to make an open to make a starting lineup. Now they had a bench of Dickerson, LaStella, Darren Ruff, and Kurt Caselli. I'm sure I'm forgetting one or two guys, but all of those guys deserve to play, and it paid off in a big way. And so anyway, that was that was something that Kapler had more control of, was when to make those moves, and they paid off. And I thought the the lineup also paid off, and they, and they scored seven runs in this game, and normally that's going to win you a game. So... Coming up next, we're going to talk about Kevin Gosman, who just picked up right where he left off, honestly. And this guy was in total control in Seattle last night. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now's the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is Coconut Brownie Chunk versus Cookie Dough Chunk. And this is the championship. And so I am totally 100% on board with Cookie Dough Chunk. Coconut, totally not my thing, but I love this cookie dough flavor. How are you voting? Let me know 
And be sure to go to BuiltBar.com or follow them on Twitter to vote on today's matchup. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. All right, next I want to talk about Kevin Gosman. The performance he put up last night was just amazing. And then we're going to get you set for the rest of this series against the Mariners. If you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over prospects, we have the podcast for you. Locked on MLB Prospects, hosted by minor league play-by-play voice Aram Layton, is the only daily podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow. Follow Locked on MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So Kevin Gosman, it's just night and day between the way he pitched and the way the bullpen performed. Gosman went six and two-thirds, so he pitched with two outs in the seventh inning. He was still out there. Got six Ks, only allowed two hits, one earned run, two walks. And he was even better than this line score would indicate. He didn't allow a base runner, I think, until the fourth inning. Ended up throwing 90 pitches, 62 of which were strikes. So he came out with that mentality and ability that the Giants are hoping for from their pitchers. Which is to work fast, have a plan, and throw strikes. And that is what Kevin Gosman did. And this is a big year for him. We talked about it yesterday before the game that, you know, he had a great 2020 season. And there's some doubters out there about if he can do it again. I guess the doubters are more, they're looking at the track record that Gosman has. And, and he's had inconsistency in his career. And last year was a 60 game season. And it was the best year, quote unquote of his career. But, you know, to those of us who watched all of his starts, you know, Giants fans specifically, we saw how good Gosman was and that it didn't really look like a fluke at all. Lots of strikeouts, good pitches. I mean, he's got a good fastball. He touched 97 last night. He was kind of cruising in the low 90s, which concerned me at first, but then he had reach back velocity to the mid to upper 90s. I mean, he was hitting 95 sometimes. And like I said, he got up to 97. And then he was featuring his really good off-speed pitch, you know, the slider or the splitter and the changeup, which apparently are different pitches. I cannot tell the difference. I don't know which does what. They they look similar to me, but they're both good. And he, he also was throwing his slider a little bit yesterday more than he normally does. And that's something we've heard that he is going to be possibly mixed in for him this year is throwing that slider more. I want to say before I forget, I'm just remembering there was a really big play in this game. Giants bullpen was starting to implode in the eighth. Lots of base runners, lots of walks. By this point, Tyler Rogers was in the game and it was, I want to say a bases loaded situation. And he got a ground ball that was hit right to Brandon Belt that could have been an inning ending double play when the Giants still had at least a two-run lead at that point. So Belt fields the ground ball, and he, you know, one of the best aspects of Belt's game has been his throwing arm. He's always had a strong, accurate arm. And in this circumstance, in a huge spot when they absolutely needed him to make a perfect throw, 
even just to get one out, it would have done wonders. But he he yanked it. He threw it low and wide of Brandon Crawford. And Crawford, in his own way, should have probably stopped the ball, but it got by him and like rolled into the outfield. So all hell broke loose. People were running all over the place. And it was just a devastating play in that inning, the costly, costly play. So Belt, to his credit, he took full responsibility. He owned it. You know, he answered tough questions about it. But for those of us who have watched Brandon Belt's career, he makes that throw. He said 99 times out of 100. I would say 999 times out of 1,000. Like that is the most routine play that Belt will have all season. You know, it's just a simple throw not even 90 feet. So also I want to point out this was the first game of the year and someone like Belt, he didn't play, he barely played at all in the field during spring training. So if you want to blame the coaching staff for having him out there despite not having a lot of training in the spring, I guess you could make an argument for that. But also I'm pretty sure that it meant a lot to Belt to be out there on opening day, and he also had a good night at the plate. He ended up going one for four with a walk. I guess it's not that good, but he hit a his hit was a run scoring hit, I do believe. So on the night, I mean it was a good night. The Giants had ten hits, four walks, so a lot of base runners hitting for power. Yastrzemski had a bad night, 0 for five with three Ks. Solano had two hits, Longoria homered. Wilmer Flores had two doubles. Buster Posey hit the home run. Crawford was 0 for 4, and Dubon was 0 for 4. But just want to reemphasize so many positives, like I said with the offense right there, and then Kevin Gosman. It's just going to be a pleasure watching him pitch. Hopefully he can stay healthy all year, and he's going to give them a great chance to win every time he goes out there, it looks like. And then if the offense can score seven runs, they're going to win a lot of games. So... I'm kind of choosing to be optimistic here, but they're obviously going to have to tighten it up. So coming up later today, it's going to be Johnny Cueto on the mound for the Giants. You say Kikuchi on the mound for the Mariners. Kikuchi had a really bad first year in 2019, but then had a much better 2020. The ERA wasn't so good, but the peripherals were really good. So he's someone to kind of watch out for. He could have a pretty good season, actually. And then the Mariners, it looks like they're saying that their starter on Saturday is going to be Chris Flexen, a right-handed pitcher. I don't know what's up with James Paxton. As we have said a thousand times when I wanted James Paxton, he's always hurt. So we'll see if something's going on with Paxton. But we've talked so much about how the Giants will face these three lefty starters, but it may actually end up being a righty on Saturday. In which case, we would have a totally different lineup. Lastello would be starting. Dickerson would be starting and on and on. So look out for a different lineup if there's a righty starter. Tonight should be pretty similar to last night, and that offense really worked. So we'll be back on Monday talking about three things we learned this weekend. Hopefully they're positive things. I'm optimistic, but we shall see. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Kaspik. That's K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out tremendously So many of you have done so, and I really, really appreciate it. Anyway, I can't wait to be with you again on Monday. Have a great weekend, and until then, we'll see you next time.